0: Thank
1: In the house of the Lord, Amen. The scripture I got for this service was Psalm 70, verse 4, and it says, "May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say forevermore that God is great." Amen.
0: Come on, let's put our hands together. So, what? Again, we trust forever. this morning and unmatched and all your wisdom in love and justice you will reign and every knee will bow we bring our expectations Just telling that Lord, I thank you for your presence. We'll welcome you, Holy Spirit. God, we ask you just to have your way in this place this morning. God, we pause and we thank you, Lord. Is our Father ever- Believe in the Lord.
1: this morning and i was praying for a word for you and god was reminding me of the storm that took place in dallas yesterday and that tornado that ripped through and that that broke tree limbs and branches and 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 tore down roofs and homes and god said there are some of you that are going through some storms in life and you feel like a tree that's out there and you are bending and you are breaking Feel like. And then God reminded me of our Christmas tree that's standing in front of our window. And as we watch those trees outside in the wind, and they're being they're being broken, and those branches are coming off. That tree is standing t- stall, tall, and strong. It's not being affected by the storm because it's in the shelter. And God reminded me of Psalms 91 that says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall
2: abide
1: under the shadow of the Almighty. You have a storm shelter. And when you're going through the storms of life, you can stand secure and strong knowing that He is covering you, that He is bringing you peace, that He is taking care of you. We're going to have a time in the middle of our service right now during worship for prayer, for anything that you have need of, whether you're sick in your body, whether it's for some financial needs, but we especially want to pray for those of you that are going through a storm that you will be able to find your storm shelter in the presence of the Almighty God, and that you will be able to know that He is going to take care of you. He is going to protect you and cover you. We're calling our prayer team down forward right now, and whatever you have need of, I pray that you will come forward and receive prayer as we continue to worship.
0: out so faithful. for a moment you can block everything else out man nobody else is here it's just you I just want you to focus on the goodness of God for one moment Cause there's nothing worth more that will ever come close Some noise for the Lord this morning. God, we thank you. Lord, we lift you up. God, we thank you. And we say that you're good this morning, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Greet a
3: couple people around. You make your way back to your seats this morning. church on a rock. We're so glad you're here worshiping with us.
1: In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in.
3: Our ministry guide gives you plenty of opportunities to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities.
1: If you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you. You can either drop it in the offering or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. We offer Saturday night meals and snacks between Sunday services. And don't forget, the coffee bar is always open.
3: We're so glad you're here and we hope that you know there's always a place for you at Church on the Road.
0: We have broken the $350,000 mark in our Imagine More campaign. Our first goal is to raise $1 million before we break ground in the spring. Join us by making a pledge and placing a nail in our Imagine More board in the lobby so we can see this
4: dream become a reality.
3: Amen. Is everybody doing good? Did you have a good Christmas? I, tell you, I had a blessed Christmas. Those of you who know, all three of my daughters got married this year, so I went from one son to four sons. And they can eat a lot of food and make a lot of trash during the holidays, so uh, it was quite an experience. But we're glad you're here. Continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. I want to remind you, Wednesday night, this Wednesday, we're going to have a special concert. A lot of our home church people are going to do some music and just be a night of worship and just special music and concert. so that will be Wednesday night. But uh, in your Bible guide reading this week, in Luke 19, It talked about Zacchaeus, and I want to encourage you, read your Bible, make a commitment to going into the new year, and a great way to do it is start with the rest of your church family by reading the book of Proverbs, and we're doing the Proverbs Challenge, so that means whatever day of the week it is, that's the proverb you read. So here's your test. If we, if it's the seventh day of January, what proverb do you read? Proverbs 7. Proverbs 7, very good class, all right. And then get some friends and kind of text back and forth and share your insights with that. So we encourage you to do that. But in your uh, offering, I was reading about Zacchaeus, and it just really stuck out how he had an encounter with Jesus, and without Jesus saying anything, the first thing Zacchaeus was convicted of was his finances. He decided he's going to let Jesus be Lord of his finances too. And that he said, hey, I'm going to give half my money to the poor, and if I cheat anybody, I'm going to give them four times that amount back. And it really touched his heart. And I begin to think of my life. You know, I went to church and I heard about tithing. And I know my parents did, but I never did do that. Well into my 30s. But when I had an encounter with Jesus and he came on the inside and changed my life, man, I when I heard that word, I began to be challenged. And I decided to make him Lord over my finances too. And I've never regretted it. Because I realized when I heard somebody say that if you'll return that 10% to the Lord, you return that tithe to the Lord, he can bless the other 90%. And I'm telling you, a blessed 90% will go a lot farther than my 100% and my little wisdom. Satisfied customers out there, you can give the Lord a hand clap. All right. Amen. Let me just pray over our offering. Father, we just want to thank you for this opportunity to give, to say we love you, to say we trust you. And Lord, even at the end of the year here. Lord, if there's a special offering or gift we want to give to help this Imagine More, our building campaign go farther and, and kick off in the spring, Lord, just put that on our heart to do that because, Lord, you're always faithful to just give it back so we can be a blessing in other ways. In Jesus' name, God bless you. And a special treat from this was our Christmas Eve service was amazing. Worship and just a sense of family. But we had to bring this one back. It was just an excellent, excellent song. Ooh. Ooh
0: Perfect man.
4: for three services to be a part of that group and i've been a desire. come here a minute now come here a minute how do you do that
2: <laughs>
4: help me out a little bit here give <laughs> <Wait>, them <laughs> you know, my mic how do you yeah. do that I don't quite have the genetic makeup, I think, to do that properly. But we're going to worship the Lord. Won't you stand to your feet right now? The Lord is wonderful, isn't He? He's worthy of our praise. There's
0: no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no
4: asking for when you say more here's what I'm asking for Lord, I want your presence in my life in a more tangible way I want to I want to know in my dark times and in my high times that God is still real I want to sense your presence I want my life to make a difference I want to be more yielded to you I want to be the person that you want me to be come on and I can't do it on my own so when we sing this it's a petition to God can we just reach out to heaven and sing it again and say Lord I want more of your presence your direction your wisdom your goodness your kindness Take your neighbor by the hand we're going to take just a minute and pray for one another today we're just going to ask that god would just hear that cry in their life whether that's your friend your spouse a family member or a stranger when you took their hand it was simply a way of saying i'm praying for you now and God is concerned about your life. So Lord, we wanna just start praying for one another, for that prayer of more. We just come before you today and pray for our friend that we would just be like a piece of clay, willing to let the potter shape us into what he wants us to be. Come on, just start praying for your friend right now. Just say, Lord, help them become the person that you want them to be. Help them to become the person that they really dream about being. Lord, we just pray for one another right now in Jesus' name that we wouldn't have any idols in our life. Just pray that right now, that there wouldn't be anything in our life that's more important than God. There wouldn't be anything more important. And we want to pray, Lord, that if there's worldliness in our life, if there's things, if we're living kind of a double life, that you would just help us want to get rid of it. Just pray that for your friend right now, that we would just desire to live a holy and a pure life that we would desire to have a righteous, righteous hands, that our our, our words would be clean, that our thoughts would be clean. Come on, pray for your friend right now. There's a battle between our flesh and our spirit, the part of us that wants to do right and the part that wants to do wrong. Would you just pray right now that that part that wants to do right would win and that God would just give them a fresh baptism with the Holy Spirit to strengthen them? Come on, pray for them right now that God would make them spiritually strong, that God would help them to be able to resist temptation and evil. God can hear us all when we pray as we lift our voice. Lord, help them to be able to resist evil and temptation I want you to pray now that God would build a hedge around them and God would would keep them safe from evil. We're just praying through the Lord's Prayer is what we're doing. You're asking God to keep them safe from the evil one, that evil will not win over their life. Come on, pray that right now, that, that evil will not win. Evil will not triumph, but God will triumph. I want you to pray a blessing over them as they're looking forward to a brand new year. I just want you to just ask God to bless 2016 in their life. I want you to pray that God would just cause his goodness to overflow in them, that his cup would just be filled to, to overflowing, that God's will would be plain and clear and they would walk in him. Come on, pray for them right now that they would be the person God wants them to be and they would accomplish what God wants them to accomplish. Come on, many people that are here today don't know what God's plan is for their life. They don't know what God's purpose is. Would you just pray for them that they find it and that they walk in it in 2016? Hallelujah. We bless them right now. And just pray for them right now. There may be people here that that lack peace, that that are just troubled, that didn't find happiness in Christmas. Maybe even someone that's suicidal today. Could, Could we just pray today that God in his mercy would just reach out to them, that God would give them hope and God would give them peace, and the Spirit of the Lord would just lift them up when they're down. Hallelujah. And this is what we pray today in the name of Jesus. Anybody say it? Amen. Give Jesus one more big hand today. He is worthy of all our praise. Praise the Lord. Would you greet two or three people again? Tell them 2016 is around the corner, and God's got a plan for us in the midst of it. Well, God bless our worship team. Come on, give them one more big hand. We appreciate that so much. I love to worship, and this Wednesday night is going to be dedicated to worship right here in the sanctuary, is prayer, and 7 o'clock is when we'll start, for about an hour and 15 minutes. But I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 1. I'm going to finish up uh, uh, the third in the series of Christmas messages today, and of course all our stuff's online. Uh, you can check it out in podcasts later. If you're ever out of town, you can. Uh, we live stream the services. But we've been talking, obviously, about the baby in the manger. We've been talking about the first Christmas. But this morning, I want you to see that Jesus was more than a baby. He is the eternal God, come on, in all his glory. Let me say it again. Jesus is more than the baby in the manger. But the Bible presents that he is the eternal God in all of his glory. Luke chapter 1, I want to use uh, the angel, angelic visitation to Mary before the birth, before she was even pregnant. I want to use that as kind of a launching pad this morning. Luke 1.26, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town of Nazareth, to a virgin that was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Now imagine young Mary, 16, 18 years of age, and notice the angel says to her in verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary, you've found favor with God. Now, How many know there's no greater thing that we could want in this life, God's favor? You'll conceive, you'll become pregnant and give birth to a son, you'll call him Jesus, verse 32, he will be great, and that's what every mom wants for her child. He'll be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. Now, here's where we're shifting from traditional Christmas. This phrase, the Son of the Most High, simply means the Son of the Most High means there was an equality with God. This angel is saying that Jesus... The child that's to be born is God. In ancient Semitic thought, the son was a carbon copy of the father, sharing the father's qualities. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, the ancient king David, so he would be a king in the Davidic dynasty. And she'd heard of that before. He'll reign over Jacob's descendants, that's the Jews, but notice the phrase, forever. And his kingdom will never end. end forever and never end. So in this passage we see that this young girl, mind you now, this is all new to her. In a couple verses she would say, how in the world will this be? She was amazed when she heard these words that somehow God will be born through me, the Christ child, and He's going to reign forever and ever. What in the world could this mean? My friend, this is what we're going to talk about this morning. It's a subject the theologians call Christology. It is simply the nature and the person of Christ. And it's my intent this morning to paint three portraits from three different books of the Bible, we're going to look at John's gospel, what John said about Jesus. We're going to see that Jesus is more than a baby. We'll look at the book of Colossians, where Paul wrote the same words, this great uh, exposition of who Christ is. We'll see in the book of Revelation this morning, again, of who this baby is and was and would become in his life. My presentation, my style this morning will be a little bit different. Normally I try to take a theme, I pray and ask the Holy Spirit to kind of give me what what you need to hear for your life. I try to find biblical passages to make that relevant to you. But this morning I want to do a foundational message for your faith. I call it a declarative message. We're going to look at some large portions of Scripture, and I want to build a greater foundation in your faith as a Christian. If somebody asks you, who is Jesus? I want you to be able to tell them, more than the baby in the manger. And if I say this carefully, more than my Savior... I want you to understand that he is the eternal God. He is the creator. He is the soon coming king. He is the one that holds all things together. He is more than a baby. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. So let's explore the scripture this morning. I've entitled the message, What Child is This? John chapter 1, the first portrait we'll paint is from John's gospel, John was one of the apostles. He's called John the Beloved. He wrote this gospel. He wrote the epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he wrote down the revelation, the vision that Jesus gave through the angel uh, in, in the New Testament. John was, had special relationship with Christ. John was the one who laid his head on Jesus' shoulder, as it were, at the Last Supper. They were the closest of friends. And here's what he writes. There's four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the Synoptic Gospels. They are somewhat similar in their style and content. But John's Gospel is different. Matthew and Luke, as we read the last few weeks, the Christmas story, they both set up a prologue to the birth of Christ. John goes back farther than the birth of Christ. John 1:1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, I want you to pause with me now. John goes back, just like the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God. Before there were any planets, before there was a planet Earth, before there was mankind, before there was a single-cell organism, before there was anything, God existed. And can I tell you, that loses me right there. It's over my head. I'm limited, I'm finite. God is unlimited, and God is infinite. God is the one that has existed from all eternity. I am bound by time. I'm bound by some time space continuum in my understanding. I cannot comprehend what was here before there was nothing. It just was not. But God was there. This passage that says in the beginning was the word. The word, the Greek word logos, it is personifies Christ. And word in Greek, this word logos meant speaking or a message. So we see in the life that Jesus lived, we see in the words that Jesus taught, we see God speaking, we see God's values, we see God's uh, uh, constraints and boundaries for life. So Jesus is God with us. In this passage, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. With God implies the Christian understanding of the Trinity. There is one God, the Bible teaches in the Old Testament. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one But somehow God reveals himself in three different distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The only illustration I can give you that comes close to this is H2O. If you remember from chemistry, H2O is water. It can take three forms. It can be a solid. It can be an ice cube. It can be a liquid you drink or a gas or steam, all with a variant of temperature. But God is one, but somehow he is three. It's at this passage that the Jehovah Witness errs because they translate the passage here that says, and the word was God. The New World Translation says the word was a God, implying that Christ was lesser. Like the Mormons, that He is not God Almighty. He is not He is not one with the Father, but He is a lesser God. An inappropriate or an imp- improper interpretation. But verse two says again, He was in the beginning with God. Jesus, the Word, has always been in relationship with the Father. And hear me, He did not come into existence in the manger on Christmas morning. When you uh, we still have the manger still behind me, that is not when Jesus began. Somehow God inhabited human flesh. But that's not when he began. verse 3 says this, All things were made through him. I wish I could talk to the science teacher and say, Start here. How many know if you have the wrong starting place, you're going to end up in the wrong place? And the world increasingly tells us there is no God. What you see around us came from... And they're very intelligent in the way they say it. A dying planet gave forth the elements of life, hydrogen, carbon, oxygen. We're not sure where that came from, but Dr. Hawking, others have illustrations of where it came from. But my friend, if you start there that there is no God, you'll end up in the wrong place with your teaching. But the Bible clearly says that Jesus is not just the baby in the manger, but all things were made through him. Without Christ, not anything was made that was made. Without Jesus, you wouldn't have the technology behind the iPhone. Come on, when you look at your oh, excuse me, when you look at your Android, you should say thank you to the Lord. Without Jesus, come on, we wouldn't have the food that we eat and the cycles, the substance of life. He's the source of all things, and this is not an isolated verse. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, There is only one Lord, Jesus Christ. All things were made through Him, and we also were made through Him. When you look in the mirror, most of us, when we look in the mirror, we see what we wish we were. We don't like our Adam's apple. We wish we had more hair, blah, blah, blah. Could we look in the mirror afresh and say, Thank you, Lord, for making me. And when the Scripture says I'm made in God's image, it doesn't mean that God's a six-foot-tall white guy. It simply means that we have his attributes. We have, we have his capacity for love and for reason. But when God made Jesus made me, and he made me intentionally, he made me on purpose. There's a lot of people that will try to make us unhappy with the way that we are. We wish we were different. My friend, we are created in the image of God, and God didn't make a mistake. Come on, somebody, say praise the Lord. Verse 4, in Christ was life. The Zoe life, we'll come back to this. His life was the light of men, life and light. In verse 5, the light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This idea of life, life simply means to be alive. It is our existence in contrast with our death. I remember the first time I got up close with someone that had died. It was my uncle. His name was Earl, and Uncle Earl, he would come every Saturday. He lived in Memphis, and we lived in North Mississippi. And he would come, and he's the one that taught me to fish, got me a fishing pole, caught a big bass. He would take me quail hunting. But I remember as a young boy, probably around 12, 13, 14, Uncle Earl died. And I remember it was the first time I confronted death. I remember the cemetery in, in Memphis, and I remember crying because normally if you go to someone and you wake somebody up, if it's a teenager, they'll growl at you. Come on, all the parents said, I understand that. But you go wake them up, and they they do that, and finally they're up and at them, and they're going about life. But when someone has died, something's missing. You go in the funeral home and whatever you may say at the body, but they're not there. Jesus is the giver of that life. He is the giver of physical life. He is the giver of spiritual life. But he's also the light of men. Light in the Bible is an emblem of God. Darkness is contrasted to be evil, uh, death, sin, separation. There's a prophecy Jesus quoted in Matthew four sixteen from Isaiah 9, 700 years earlier. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. How many know that darkness is not just the intensity of the light bulb? That darkness is living a life apart from Christ. That darkness is what drives people to go out and have fun, and they may rape someone. They're going out to have fun, they may, they may drink, they may do drugs, they may do all sorts of things. Rather than give true love to someone of the opposite sex, it's a very self-oriented experience. That's because we're living in darkness. When people behave violently, when we look on our streets, every day in our small Texarkana newspaper, somebody has killed somebody, somebody's going to jail, somebody has abused a child, somebody's abusing animals. What is this? It's darkness. And when Jesus shows us the way, the light comes on. Jesus made this statement about himself in John 8, 12. He said, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, will not walk in confusion, stupidity, and, 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 and shame, but will have the light of life. This idea that darkness will not overcome the light tells us that the powers of Satan may resist the light, but how many know they'll never overcome Jesus because he's King of kings and Lord of lords. And the power of darkness will not overcome us because the Bible says we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, and we love not our lives unto death. As a Christian, listen, nobody wants to die, but we see this life as going through the valley of the shadow of death. Come on. We're coming out on the other side to a living Savior. John keeps writing in verse 14, This word, or this logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the miracle of the manger. God came to earth as a man. Philippians tells us this as well in Philippians 2, 5. It says, Christ Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And you see Jesus show up in a manger and nobody's made the reservation and there's no pomp and circumstance and no political rulers come there. I imagine if if our governor, Governor Abbott, came to town or, 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 or a presidential candidate, listen, there would be great pomp and circumstance. When the generals were coming and looking at Red River a number of years ago and we lined the streets of Texarkana saying, save our city because they were a prominent person, Jesus had none of that. When he came to this earth, the Bible says he emptied himself of his divinity in the sense that he didn't demand the rights of God. Verse 8, he was found in human form. He humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You might have said it a hundred times, but that cross was God's means to reach out to us and restore relationship. That cross was God's means, was the way to turn death into life. The cross was God's means to give us hope after death that the grave shall open up and bring life. The cross is the place where shame turns into forgiveness. It's why he came. And because of that, the Bible says, God highly exalted him. So he is at the right hand of God the Father today. Come on, give him a big hand this morning. It is the portrait of John. And I speak to you today endeavoring to establish a foundation for you to be able to more biblically answer who is Jesus and why is he different than anyone else. Why when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Why is that not a bigoted statement? Why is that not an exclusive statement? Why is that not why is that a true factual statement? I'll tell you, friends, because he is God incarnate in his eternal glory, not just man trying to get us to God. Let's continue in Colossians chapter 1, painting a portrait of Jesus Christ in Paul's epistle. The epistle to the Colossians were like most New Testament letters. They were written to correct a problem. And clearly in this letter, there was false teaching. There were those that had minimized the person of Christ. There were those that had made him a bit inferior. There were those that were confused about who Jesus is. They're all around us today. If you do any searching whatsoever on the internet or watch any late night, or not just late night, primetime TV, they're belittling Jesus. They're making fun of him. If they bring him up at all in our liberal society, they're demeaning him. Comedians are making jokes about him. Well, I want to tell you, my friends, he's more than the baby in the manger. Come on. He is the king of kings, and he is the eternal God. Colossians 1 tells us more about him. In verse 15, it says, he is the image of the invisible God. It means he is the visible manifestation of an invisible God. He is the perfect representation. What does that mean? That means when you see Jesus on the pages of a scripture, you see how God looks at things. When you read the words of Christ, you read what God thinks about things. We live in a world today that puts the Bible on the same level as the Book of Mormon or puts the Bible on the same level as the Koran as the, uh, or the same level as Reader's Digest or a million other books. But, my friends, this is not just a book. It is the book. It is the declaration of Christ because Christ's life shows us how to live and view things. Christ showed us, for example... When he went in the temple and overturned the money table, if you can imagine going into the foyer of a church and and there's selling and and, and the people that sell don't care about God, don't care about his kingdom, but they're pocketing the money and Jesus going in and turned the tables upside down. That is Jesus showing us how much he hates religion that just uses religion to make money. See, you look at Jesus, you know what truth is. When he saw little Zacchaeus in a tree, Zacchaeus was a hated tax collector But to God, he saw him as a lost person. God saw him just as every person in your life. You may see someone on the street. They may be homeless. You may see a prostitute, a drug addict. You may know a rapist. You may look in the paper and see a murderer. And it's easy to look down on them. But when Jesus looks at them, he looks at them as a sinner living in darkness, needing to have light exposed to them. I was particularly troubled this week as I I read an article about our president and he had had written about his values. His Christian values influenced his presidency and, and influenced his outlook of his life. And I thought, Mr. President, I wish I was your pastor. I'd like to sit down in a room and talk to you. I'd like to open my Bible and show you how Jesus treated children. When the just children were trying to come to Christ, the disciple says, don't bother Jesus. But he pushed them out of the way in and, and saying, they're more important than you. Come up and sit in my lap, and I want to bless you. I wish I could tell our president don't sign the omnibus tax bill because it includes 500 millions of dollars for Planned Parenthood who butchers children, who doesn't care about children, who won't give children a chance to live. Mr. President, don't do this. If you look in your Bible you will see that Jesus values children and the child in the womb, whether it's Jeremiah as God told Jeremiah, before you were born I knew you and called you to be a prophet of the nation. That same God has a destiny for children So stand up, Mr. President, and veto that tax bill. Now, the first thing that comes to some of our mind is, how dare a white man say that? That's the problem in America. We divide ourselves by groups. We divide ourselves by skin color. We're Hispanics or Orientals or Caucasian. All these things, rather than just people, come on, in need of truth. And he is the author of truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. This is what America needs to turn our back on what's going on in this nation and turn back to the Christ of the Bible. John 14, 9, Jesus said this, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Now some of us have been taught Jesus is a good person. A good person wouldn't say, He who has seen me has seen the Father. He'd be a liar. He can't be a lie. He's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's the Lord God Almighty. Jesus said, you've seen the Father. Hebrews said this, Christ is the radiance of the glory of God. He's the exact imprint of his nature. Now when the scripture in Colossians said he's the firstborn of all creation, it doesn't mean he was created. It means he existed before creation and he is over it all. Verse 16 reaffirms to us, All things by Him, all things were created. Listen to me, children. Listen to me, teenager. Listen to me, college student. If you sit in a science class and they talk about origins and they don't begin with Christ, put some cotton in your ears for just a few minutes. Here, just enough to be able to pass the test. And don't build on a faulty foundation. Let your foundation be built on the rock which is Christ. Well, how do you know the Bible's true? Well, how do you know the Bible's false? Okay, that's another message. All things were created by him, visible, invisible, thrones. Now we're talking about spiritual rulers, angels, uh, the demonic. All things were created through him and for him. What does that mean? That means that anything the microscope can see, come on, say it with me, Jesus created that. Anything the telescope can show us and bring up close, Jesus created that. The unseen world, gravity, the law of aerodynamics, come on, Jesus created that. Jesus gives you confidence that when the plane goes up in the air, it'll land on the runway because of the flow of air over the wings, It's where it came from. But notice what he said. He was created by him, but it says all things were created for him. That's the material world. You know, there's going to be, this world is going to be destroyed, the Bible says, by fire. Revelation says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Jesus is going to use this earth for all eternity. But I want to tell you, my friends, as, as, as our king, it is for him, and we are created for him. Let me illustrate this. When I used to have little kids and we'd have birthday parties for the kids, you know, all the kids come in with their box and their toy and they're going to give to your your child. Well, guess what? Mama has also bought toys for all the kids that are coming. And when the kids that are coming come in the door, they get their little goodie bag and they get hats to put on. Well, they think the party's about them. But how many know it's about the birthday boy? Well, can I tell you? The party in heaven is going to be about the birthday boy (laughs) that we are created for him. He wants to bless us, but we're not God. Come on. We are created in His image to be His sons and His daughters, to have relationship for all eternity. We are created for Him. Verse 17, again it says, He is before all things, the pre-existent Christ. And here's a good one. In Him, all things hold together. Which means Jesus is the one that causes all things to continue to exist. He is the impetus behind the hummingbird. My mom's here today. Mom, let me embarrass you. Wave at everybody today. All the good things in my life pretty much are from her and my wife. Would you fix lunch today? Thanks. Where was I? Oh, hummingbirds. He causes the systems to continue to exist. Mom has about 50 hummingbirds. They're they're, they're like a big wasp. They're not very big at all, but these little hummingbirds will migrate hundreds and thousands of miles, but they'll find their way back to a little red hummingbird feeder in Love, Mississippi. You say, how do they do that? Well, the scientist has understood the dynamics in their brain and barometric pressure and all these things, but it's not the barometric pressure that keeps them coming home. Come on. It's Jesus that causes all things to continue to exist. When rain, the cycle of rain, precipitation, when we're out, what water it comes up from the oceans and the ground and other places, and it forms in clouds and it grows all across the nation, dropping one, two, three, four, six, ten inches of rain. Why doesn't that cloud fall from the sky? Why does that crowd continue to do this? Jesus is behind the systems of the world. Hear me, friends. Jesus is behind holding the earth on its axis so we don't burn up, come on, or so we don't freeze. He's the one that keeps the sun and earth at just the right distance. These things are not held by the force. Darth Vader's not holding all this together. Jesus is holding all this together. Verse 18, he is the head of the body, which is the church. When Rebecca was young, Rebecca's my strong-willed child. She is a sweetie. How many understand strong-willed children? When she was about three or four, we have a church nursery, and there was a lady that used to watch the kids. Her name was Miss Lil. And she loved kids. She'd treat them like, like little princesses. Well, Rebecca didn't want to do what Miss Lil said. So Rebecca's about three, maybe four, and Miss Lil said to do something. And Rebecca said, I don't have to. My daddy owns this church. Our daddy doesn't own this church. Jesus owns this church. And Jesus owns every church around the world. Come on. I don't care wherever it is, all across this city. We're not Baptists and Methodists and assembly. Come on now. We are one body of Christ. And if the body of Christ would rise in America, I think things would be different. Jesus is the head. Verse 18, again, it says, he is the beginning. Now, here's a new one. He is the firstborn from the dead. You may not think much about it. You may be here today because your mom made you come or whatever the case, but I want you to stay tuned in on this one. He is the firstborn from the dead. Christ was the first to rise in an immortal body, never to see pain or death again. There have been many people that said they were agnostics or atheists, and tried to disprove Christianity, and when they tried to disprove Christianity by trying to figure out what happened to the body of Jesus, they became Christians. Now, I want to tell you why this is important. I'll tell it with a family illustration. Several years ago, my grandmother called her mama. She immigrated along with my mother from the Baltic state of Latvia in World War II. Mama was one of the sweetest people you'd ever known. But she had every right to be bitter because as they fled Europe in World War II, some of mom's brothers and sisters were left behind, never to be seen again, conscripted in the army. How many know that's enough to make a mom mad? Have a, a good life but be forced to start over working on a turkey farm? Come on, not knowing anybody, not having anything. But still, she had this sense of joy and this quality of peace about her. I want to tell you that comes from Jesus. But just a couple years ago, Mama was almost 100. She was just going to be 100 in January in a couple days before Christmas. I remember when Mom walked in the kitchen and said, Mama's gone. She died. Now I want to tell you, at that point in life, friend, it'll come to you and it'll come to me. There's nothing more important than the possibility of Resurrection. Because what happened, the Bible teaches us, when mama breathed her last breath on earth, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we went through a routine of placing her body in a cemetery in Senatobia, Mississippi, and next to my grandfather. And, and, and at some point in time later, Mama had some, my mother had some dirt that she'd brought from Latvia, and she kind of sprinkled it on their grave, the place of where they were born. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible says one day cemeteries are going to open. One day graves are going to open. It's not an isolated verse. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty says this, Christ has truly been raised from the dead. He is the first one. He is the proof that those that sleep in death will also be raised. Listen to what the Message Bible says. In, uh, the Message Bible says he's the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemetery. Verse 19 says this, and I have to go quickly. In Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. It is the most profound scripture in the New Testament that talks about the deity of Christ. Verse 20, through Christ, he came, uh, through him, Jesus, he came to reconcile or reunite God and man, all things, heaven and earth, making peace by the blood of the cross. It's that word reconcile I want to talk about just a moment. Reconcile is a legal term, means to restore relationship. To reconcile means to reunite two people who were separated. Now, how many know the reason we're in this mess today is because Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden sinned. They were exiled from the Garden, and there's been this separation between... That's why you can't see God. You can see His hand in creation every day. You can see His goodness and the smile of a child, but you can't see Him right now. Every one of us sinned. There's evil in the world. That's why people die. But I want to tell you, my friends, one, one day that's coming back around, and God's made a way to reunite us. Let me illustrate it. How many have seen the movie uh, Taken? Yeah, take it. Listen, that's a good reason for a woman not to travel alone or even travel in pairs. Be very careful here. This guy, former CIA agent, his little girl gets abducted, and they're going to sell her into prostitution. They're putting drugs in her body. He didn't know where she is. He's told if he didn't find her in 72 hours or whatever it is that uh, he'll never see her again. Mother just flips out, but he says, I'm coming after you, guy that took her. Now, I want you to think about Jesus and the devil and Satan took us in sin. This guy went, come on now, and anybody that got in his way, he pushed him aside. Anyone that stood between him and his little girl, if they didn't give up, come on, he was going to make them give up. And he turned the city of Paris upside down till he found his little girl, come on, and he took her back and reunited her with her family. Can I tell you, that is exactly what Jesus did. He came looking for us, and he found us. But unlike that movie where she didn't want to be in that place, we can either choose to go with Jesus or stay in the darkness that we are. But that's exactly what reconciliation is. It is reuniting God to man, and that's what makes Christianity different than any other religion. That's why when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but by me. Come on, give him a big hand today. Let me wrap up a quick portrait of Jesus in the book of Revelation by John the Revelator. The book of Revelation, Revelation 1, verse 5, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, which means when you read the book of Revelation, you can faithfully know that what God predicted and promised will come to pass. Jesus is called the firstborn of the dead. We understand that. The ruler of the kings of the earth. Verse 6 says he made us a kingdom. You and I as Christians are part of the kingdom of God priests to his God and Father. A priest had access to God. A priest was called to serve God. But it's verse 7 that I want to focus on. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. All the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him even so. Amen. What does this mean, he's coming with clouds? The Bible records in the book of Acts that after Jesus was crucified, dead and buried on the third day he rose from the dead, and several weeks later he ascended into heaven and he's in the book of Acts. He's the disciples are around him and all of a sudden he just starts going up in the air. He's not levitating, he's not meditating. Come on, he doesn't need a string to pull him up. By his power and glory he takes authority over creation and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. But the Bible teaches us one day that Jesus is coming back. One day there's going to be a trumpet sound. One day the Bible says there's going to be the shout of the archangel when Christ returns to this earth. But the Bible tells us not everyone will be excited about that, but some people will wail because of him. I'll tell you, my friend, there's a great deal of hatred of Christianity in America today. When they hate Christmas, who they're hating? They're hating Jesus. When comedians make fun of Christ, they're making fun of one they don't even know, my friends. We should have pity and mercy on them. We should pray for their soul because one day when he comes, not everybody will rejoice and be happy, but some people will wail because of the coming of Christ because they will re- they have rejected him for all of eternity. Verse 8, we'll close here in our portraits. Jesus in verse 8 says, "I'm the alpha and the omega." In other words, I'm the first letter and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. I am eternal. And he says it again. I'm the one who is present-day God. I'm the one who was God of the past. And I'm the one who is to come, the almighty God. And it is the almighty God that pins the, pin the words of the book of Revelation. It is the almighty God that will triumphantly cause evil to be crushed under his feet and Satan to be thrown into the eternal, e- eternal pit of torment forever and ever and ever. He is Christ the Lord. He is more than a baby. Come on. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. Give him praise this morning. Let me close with John 1 and we'll have a song and a prayer, but I want you to think of these words. John 1, it's where we left off earlier. John said Jesus was the true light, which gives light to everyone. I don't care how much darkness you've walked in. I don't care how bad you've been. I don't care what your world has been like. Jesus is the true light to show you the way out. The Scripture says... He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, but the world didn't know Him. They didn't know Him at His birth. There was no celebration. There was no reservation of a room. He came to His own people. These were the Jews of His day, but most of them did not receive Him. Now listen to verse 12. To all, and this speaks to us, who did receive Him, those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. He is describing a spiritual rebirth to those who were born, not of blood through natural birth, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. And he's saying those who are born again, those who are saved, those that have a spiritual rebirth by believing in Christ and receiving Him as their Savior will be able to walk with Him for all eternity. Come on, give Him a big hand today. He's more than a baby. He's Christ the King. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning and We're going to have a worship song just to say, Thank you, Lord. And then we'll give an opportunity for prayer and go this morning.
0: In Holy Spirit.
4: time and then we'll dismiss but and I want to ask you just to kind of stay here during that song because this is a time when people can respond to God. But in just a moment I'm gonna ask my prayer team, fellow Christians, to come to the altar and they'll pray with you once again because I, I find oftentimes in the sermon when we open the Bible sometimes God can speak to us in a very different way. And if God has got something in your heart and you feel a need to, to pray, to respond to God in some fashion, come, come let us pray for you. But I want to ask you this question. Where will you spend eternity? It's one thing for me to talk about Jesus as the eternal God and heaven and hell and all that, but where will you spend eternity? Are, are you 100% sure you'll go to heaven when you die? That passage I just read about receiving Christ about believing in him I wonder if you not only believe it in your head have you believed in Christ in your heart and having the evidence of turning to follow him there's something about a marked moment in a person's life where they receive Christ for me it was August 15 1976 I'm so glad my mom made me go to church as a boy I learned in the Methodist church I learned the Bible when it was my time to turn to God I didn't, I, I, I didn't think about Mohammed I didn't I didn't think about Buddha or any other the game I knew Jesus was the way where will you spend eternity yeah, let me illustrate it this way under my Christmas tree right now in my home I hadn't taken it down there's still a couple presents under there and one of them's for my dad normally we go see my folks at Christmas in Mississippi but this year, Dad's coming because Bethany's birthday, birthday. Her wedding is next Friday. And when he comes, I've got a gift for him. Well, how many know Dad could have had that gift now for three days if he'd have just come here? He had to receive it. When we bought the different things and ordered them and put them in a bag, it was already my daddy's. But he just had to come and receive that gift. And when he comes, I'll say, Dad, I love you. Merry Christmas. And he'll open it and grin a little bit and say whatever he says. But it's His when He opens the bag. I wonder if you've ever received Christ or if He's still kind of just sitting in a distant place. It's nothing magical. It's not a set word to say, but you know when it's real because rather than following your own ways, you begin to follow Him and He changes your life. And if that's what you're needing today, I want to encourage you in just a moment to meet me at the cross. When they begin to pray and people come in for prayer, you just slip right over there, and someone will meet you there and pray with you and pray with you to make a commitment of your life to Christ. And I promise you, it'll change you for all eternity. Prayer team, come on to the front right now, and they're going to begin to sing. If you want prayer for anything, just slip out of your chair. They'll take as much time as you need. But if you need to make a commitment of your life to Christ, if something is pulling you to the Lord, don't say no. Come to the cross. We'll be delighted to pray with you. God bless you and I love you.